Well, everybody, welcome to the Ed Fernandez Show. You know, you guys are awesome. We thank you so much for watching. Today is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's 2024, and we thought we would do some things different. I, I have a, an individual here that's uh, very special to Ruth and I. And, um, you know, we've known each other for a very, very long time. I uh, attended his church for 16 years, and Ruth and I are still looking for that kind of church, which we haven't found yet. But I'm so honored to have him here on the show. So I'm gonna, before I introduce him, I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about his accolades here. Um, he's a devoted pastor with almost 50 years of full-time ministry experience for nearly 30 years uh, Phil and Jenny led a and thriving church in Orange County, California. He's been happily married to Jenny for 45 years with three grown children and three grandchildren. Phil is a, currently the chairman and of the Champion Network, serving alongside Joel Olstein and Late Work Church, overseeing 500-plus churches. He's also dedicated to helping smaller churches with big visions. Phil is known as a master encourager, through his speaking, writing, and personal interactions. Today, his passion is help maximize people's lives, message to impact culture. This is guy, this guy's legit, people. Pastor Phil, welcome to the show. What an honor. Thank you. And I want to say I'm so proud of you and Ruth and your family. <laughs> just you. walking into your corporation today and just seeing the excellence from the minute I walked in the door and then seeing your kids, for, it reminds me that I'm getting older. <laughs> and, uh, but the impact that you're having on people's lives. And, you know, the Life Church was a church, but it was a unique time and space and season. I don't think any of us realized the uniqueness of what God had created. We were just all along for the ride. And to this day, the impact that people's lives are having around the world uh, it's bigger than me. Uh, we, we both just feel honored that we got to be a part of it. And being a part of people's lives like yours has just brought great joy to us. Pastor, I, I have, we have walked into churches, walked into churches, walked into churches. We're like, nope, this ain't it. Nope, this ain't. Mm. We, we did not realize, mm. like you just mentioned, what we had. Uh, and that was a special, special time. Um, you know, I remember how I met you, uh, Ruth and I were struggling in our marriage. Mm. And it was, I think Darian might have been six months, a year old. He was small. And we we were looking up churches, and this is when you were in San Juan. Mm -hmm. And we walked into the church, and the worship was amazing. Mm. It, was, it was, wasn't big. It was a little church. Right, right. But then the message was something about the heart. And I remember you talking and you focused on us, R Ruth and I. We, this was the first time we've ever been there. Mm. And, and you and Jeannie ministered to us personally, and that shifted our marriage. Mm. And here we are 28 years later wow. in marriage. So you were huge in that. Um, you know, we were going to talk about some certain things, right? We had this all planned out and everything <laughs> like that. And, and you text me and you said, hey, um, you text me, can I get your email address? And so I sent you my email. And you sent me this email. I started reading and I was like, 
okay, let's get these notes that we have. We're throwing this out. (laughs) And I said, Pastor, do you mind if we we talk about this? Right, Because it's so relevant to the current times. And so I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about it and said, so, so it's about a unique anointing of the wealth and health resources and reconciliation that is about to be released on the body of Christ. And you believe it could be understood by observing the life and leadership of Joseph. Yeah. So I'm going to give you the floor. <laughs> I want to hear the passion and I want to hear the revelation. And this is going to be a big deal. So it's all yours. Oh, no. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we'll interact. But let's go back a little bit. Back, okay. First of all, what a great supporting member you were. What a good Christian. And what a great, you know, you were on the worship team. I don't know if your audience knows, but you can sing. <laughs> we ought to get Jeannie in here, get a piano. And man, let's worship. Let's go, baby. So I was raised in a spirit-filled Pentecostal worship God, all spiritual culture. And But we kind of stayed in that corner, in that lane. And then we just kind of went kind of like secret agents all week long, you know, barely getting by. It was like, you know, and, and so I, I know what it's like to be in the presence of God. I know what it's like to have this incredible anointing. Uh, but as uh, in 1998, I had a vision, my one and only vision. And in that vision, God showed me that we were going to come into a time when there was going to be a fusion of, of wealth and worship, that there was going to be a fusion of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. And I had begun to read the book of Revelation every day and have, have now since 1998, mm. in part or in whole. And the book really is not about the end times. It's about the workings of Jesus Christ on the earth. And so I've been searching for where is the kingdom of God going? What is God up to? And so part of that, this revelation came, um, and it, so it, it starts with a story your, your uh, viewers might be aware of. If not, I'll kind of simplify it. But there's a story in Ezekiel where the prophet is being given a vision, and all of the army of Israel is scattered, dry bones everywhere, not only dry and dead, but scattered mm-hmm. And God says to him, I want you to prophesy over these bones that they'll live again. Well, the prophet, he's overwhelmed. And he's like, you know, and, you know, honestly, Ed, that's the way our lives have felt over the last, since the pandemic, mm-hmm. is there something been triggered? And I think people look at their life like everything's scattered. My kids, my money, my dreams just feels dead and scattered. And we're just like, just trying to hustle our way through. And the prophet looks to God and says, I don't know if they can live again. You know. And God, it's like he said, he kind of passed the ball to God. Uh-huh. God, you make the layup. And God says, oh, no, this is your shot, baby. You're going to make it. And he passes the ball back and says, you call the shots. You're going to determine whether they live or not. And so, and so the, the prophet looks at these dry bones, and he just starts, okay. And he starts prophesying. Well, prophecy sounds real spiritual, but what prophecy is, it's, it's speaking positive words, but it has to come from your spirit, okay? It's like a trumpet. A trumpet is no good unless someone's blowing in it, and then you have to blow in it properly so the tone can come gotcha. out. So when you pray, and down deep in everyone, there's a, 
In your belly, there's a, there's a spirit ready to, to burst forth out of your mouth. And you start making declarations. And, and I love words, right, Ed? You yeah, know yeah, this. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, so it, it starts like this. You prophet say it about your family, about your finances, about what you dream. And then you prophet see it. You say it until you can see it. And when you say it and see it, then you seize it. You get it in your spirit until you feel as if it's already happened. Like, like an architectural plan has already been drawn up. Now it's just a matter of executing. So the prophet's prophesying. But something that I never caught before, as it goes on and explains it, mm-hmm. then the word of the Lord says, I want you to take the rod of Judah. It was like a staff. And then I want you to take the rod of Joseph. And then I want you to put them together and bind them into one, through a cord, bind them into one. Well, if you're a Christian, you understand the term Judah. Our Savior is called the Lion of Judah. Judah represents worship. It represents the holy things. It represents the spiritual dynamic of Israel. And so I understood that. I was a Judah guy. Come on, right? (laughs) Right. It was all about that. (laughs) But I didn't really understand, well, what's the big deal about Joseph? What was his claim to fame? What was his mantle? What was his anointing? Well, if you study it, it's very easy. Joseph managed wealth and high-profile influencers. That's what Joseph did. And everywhere that Joseph, and Joseph had a dream just like you did, Ed. He had a dream but didn't know what to do with it. A dream of coat of many colors. He had a dream that one day that he would have influence and people would bow to him, not in a bad way, but in a way that he could serve other people. Because you can't help anybody if you're not in a position of influence and affluence. Oh, absolutely. And so Joseph had that. Well, he was mocked. He was laughed at. And then he went through such a hard battle. But everywhere he went, he kept rising to the top. Ultimately, Joseph becomes second in command of Egypt. He has a strategy on how to get through. They had had seven years of prosperity. And he had a word from the Lord that said, you're going to have seven years of tough times, but I'm going to give you a strategy how to make it during that seven years. And you're going to learn how to store. You're going to learn how to barter. You're going to learn how to make things happen. And the Bible says that Joseph accumulated so much grain that they had no room. It was like Malachi, right? I'm going to bless you in such a way there's not even room, right? So now they got so much money, so much influence, so much stock, so much ownership in companies, so many things going on. And Pharaoh is saying, everybody listen to this guy because he's got favor on him. Have we ever seen anybody with favor? See, what's on you, Ed, and what's going on in you and Ruth, and the anointing is on you, is God's bringing you into favor and God has set you before. And there's going to be a lot of Christians, a lot of people that have never been challenged to do what you did, thinking that the only way they can impact the world is at the pulpit and a tent. Well, so Joseph gets out there. And by the end of it, I'll just go to the end of the story. By the end of the story, he has, he's the largest landowner in Ooh, Egypt. That's awesome. Because they ran out of, uh, they, they ran out of money. So then they used grain to barter, and then they ran out of grain to barter because he owned it all. 
So they gave up property in order to have food. Wow. So he started accumulating land and houses until stuff. he was the largest landowner in Egypt, second in command. And here's the, here's the beautiful thing about it. He saved the covenant. Israel was in a famine. They, were, they, they would have all died. We know that God was going to come through. Yeah. But had not Joseph taken the back road and ultimately landed in that position... Then he saved them. You all come up here. Come up. And they put him in Bel Air. They put him literally. Yeah. The Bible says, Pharaoh said, put him in the best subdivision. <laughs> and go. he set him all up, set his dad up, set him all up. Yeah. Well, we know 400 years. We know years later, Joseph died. Another Pharaoh came. They went into bondage. Yeah. But the key is that it was the Joseph and Judah mantle. The two rods became one. And they made a quantum leap into affluence and influence. And God said to me, that's the map for us today. The map for us today is to watch what Joseph did. How did he do it? What did he had that made him unique? And in following that map, that we were going to land in a position of influence and affluence. And it was going to happen so quick. Gradually. Then suddenly, I'm pounding the table like, no, like a pulpit. You're good, bro. You're good, brother. Let's go. Gradually, <laughs> then suddenly, from nowhere to now here. Ed, I, I, I'm going back in my mind, seeing you in that Irvine campus, in that auditorium, seeing you sitting down. And we're in the middle of the auditorium. The worship is still going on. The practicing, it's almost done. You're over there, and you're so frustrated. And you're just so troubled. And you don't know, God, what's going on? And you, you, you and, and, and my humanity feels sorry for you. I'm like, oh, God, I want to help it. This guy's miserable. He's going through hell. Where are you, God? And then now I look back, and I look where I'm sitting now. As I walked into your corporate offices, as I see the influence you and Ruth are having, I realize, Oh, you were on a journey. (laughs) And and I would have just ruined it if I tried (laughs) to save you from it. And but you see, it's one thing for God to do a miracle, and He's done a miracle for you, Ed. But there's another thing for God to give you a map. And that's really what God has done for you, Ed. That's why you do these podcasts. It's because you're not just going around driving nice cars, living a nice life, and everybody can say, what a miracle. You have a map, Ed. Yes. You know how to get here. Yes, absolutely. You see, So when a person has a miracle, they yeah, well, God just did a miracle. But you know what? You have a map. You say, where are you at? Oh, I know where you're at. I was there. Now, here's what I did to get where oh, I God. am. That's so and good. see, a map is much more valuable to people than a miracle. That's so good. And so as I began the study, uh, the study is called Turning Harm into Harmony because the, the, the headline of the story is Genesis 50, 20. And that is, as he looks to his brothers and they've all gathered and he reveals who he is, he said, what you meant for harm God is made for good. And then he says a very important line. And this is what I love about you, Ed. For the saving of many people. Amen. So God didn't just pay back Joseph for his pain. He set him up so he could help a lot of people. Amen. So in this study, so that's the, that's the big idea, that God is taking 
his kingdom, and he's taking people that understood the anointing of prayer, of understanding the kingdom principles, understanding how to live a life of character and integrity, and then he's matching that with the ability to make money, to make a difference, to have influence. And when you look at someone uh, like an uh, Elon Musk, who could write a check for 20, I know he didn't write a check, but he could write a check for $26 billion to buy one of the largest social media platforms. What could happen if God's people Ooh. Oh my could God. get that kind of money Oh yes, sir. and in a day, Let's go. we could turn this whole oh. world upside down. Oh, so amen. God is saying, if you'll let me get it through you, if I can get it through you and to you, we can change the world literally overnight. And that's what's hovering over. So I, I, I'm, I'm, you're going to have to interrupt me because no, I'm on fire. No, I want fire. you to go because, right. because, you know, you said something, Ed, you have a map. And, and literally, what's today? Friday. I think Monday. God said to me, he is going to highlight every brick. Mm-hmm. Before I take a step, follow the yellow brick road. Mm-mm-mm. So when you say I have a map, yeah, there's a strategy that God has given me for the organization, for the company, where it doesn't matter where we are in the economy. I always tell people, and everybody knows here, this company abides on earth, but it is ran from heaven, yeah, from yeah. the throne room of God. Yeah. And we don't run with the same pack of dogs. Yeah. So I don't care what the news says. I don't care what the feds say. I don't care if we're in a recession and we're an expansionary. It doesn't matter exactly because right. God is in control. And those things do not, those circumstances do not dictate where God takes things. Yeah. So, you know, when you said that, kind of reminded me of that thing that God told me about, that there is a, a road that's being highlighted, and I just need to follow the yellow bricks. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. Yeah, there are going to come tough times. That's part of it. That's part of the shifting that's going to happen. So what happens is, so I, I'm, I'm a student of the book of Revelation, and what you understand is that it's cyclical. So there are seven forces that shape our world. And, uh, oh, I got to just open up a can of worms here. Go, man. I want you to go. So you can go in the newspaper, watch TV, study the planet. There are seven forces that dictate everything that goes on every day. Now, I'm going to save the the first and the last. So I'm going to go to the middle of the five. Okay. War, economic injustice, premature death, persecution, and the earth, global groanings, because the earth is tied in. You know, man was made from dust, and so we're connected to the earth. Yes, sir. So the condition of the soul of man and the earth are very much connected. Those five forces, whether it's weather, whether it's the persecution of truth and righteousness, um, Premature death, diseases, pestilence, all of this, economic injustice, and war, those forces are at work. Now, what contains them? What controls them? What will ultimately conquer them? 
the white horse rider is Jesus. He is the king of the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And at the tail end, the prayers of the saints. Mm. So Jesus and the saints of God contain. See, evil has never been able to prevail. It looks like that the tower is going to go all the way to the heaven, (laughs) and then it tips. It looks like Babylon is about to take over, and then it implodes. See, here's the thing about evil. Evil is not only dark, but it's dumb. (laughs) Evil is like cancer. If you, you know, we all have had people that had cancer and died of it. Cancer will destroy the body it lives in. It doesn't know how to stop. Right. If a cancer was smart, it would say, now, if I slow down, I'll live longer. But it doesn't. It just keeps on until it destroys the very... This is what evil is doing now. It is moving so rapidly, so fast, so dark. It's building the Tower of Babel so high but it's already wavering. That's it's so already good. about the tip. Now, Ed, you, me, other people, we've got to get ready because the cycle of Babylon falling, the Bible says it'll be like in an hour. In an hour, the first will be last mm. and the last will be first. Properties, companies, and that's what happened with Joseph. See, they went into a famine, but he had strategy. It worked in his favor. So while everybody else was collapsing, he was buying up yep. land. He was selling. Yes, he was sir. bartering. This is, but see, God's people have to have a kingdom mindset. Yeah. You know, and so this is about, this is what's going to happen. And, and one last thing about evil that you learn from the, the book of the Revelation, it works cyclical. In other words, evil has its day, it collapses the kingdom advances and it goes in cycles because of men's disobedience. Mm-hmm. And here's here's a really cool thing, Ed. You'll like this. Evil always gets to bat first, so they get to bat first. And if you don't know anything about baseball, the visiting team bats first. <laughs> the home so team bats last. <laughs> so good. Let me tell you something. People say this is the devil's world. No, it's not. <laughs> this it. is my father's world. And so, yeah, the pandemic, all of the things that evil, that there's been so much evil yeah, in the crazy. last three to four, five. It's terrible. But I want to tell you this. It's the first half of the inning. Yeah. And if you think God, I mean, when the pandemic hit, within hours, 192 nations buckled their knees. And in really, in an hour, we all came under the control of that, of that virus. The virus is for real, but the worst thing about the pandemic was fear. Yeah. Because fear was let out of its cage. Yes, sir. And not only was fear ignored, it was promoted. In fact, you're ridiculed if you didn't have fear. Yes, sir. Now, here's what people don't understand about fear. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. Perfect love cast out all fear. So when fear was released, all of a sudden, where's all the division? Where's all the hate? Where's all this coming from? From fear. See, hate is a byproduct of fear. So now we've got to begin to raise up hope. We got to begin to speak sound mind, power, love until this fear that is really controlling our culture is subsided. And as that begins to happen, we're going to see this transition happen of wealth, 
of influential relationships, and it's already beginning to happen. I'm going to tell you, someone said to the other day, how you doing? I said, I'm better every day, and I'm into next week. Because <laughs> well, that's where it's going. Yeah, you know, you know what, I, what I've learned, Pastor, is that there's a, it's a huge responsibility. Absolutely. Right, it's a huge responsibility. It's, um, you know, you can't get on this podcast and, and speak this stuff if you don't live it. Right? Yeah. Look, I'm not perfect. Ruth and I are not perfect. Yeah. I'm still working on me, and sure. she's working on herself still. But I, I've learned one thing. is I, I've, What I've learned is that there is a kingdom. It's not one we can see, but it's more real than this table that I'm tapping exactly on. Exactly right. Right? Exactly and right. And this kingdom has got so much power. Mm. That we, who are obedient, there's a, there's, there's a caveat to this, That's right. right? It's That's not right. just, oh, I love you, Jesus, and give me the power and give me the wealth and give me influence. My father is not going to entrust power That's right. that is going to harm me if I am not in true obedience to him. And so throughout this walk that I've been walking, this walk has been, there's a, there's, I remember one day I got to understand the difference between the voice of the Father, the voice of Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Mm. And the voice of the Father said to me one day, I was sleeping and I was in deliberate disobedience. I knew Mm. I was doing wrong. Mm. And the Father told me, if you do not stop this deliberate disobedience, I will rip it out of your heart. And I have never heard Mm. or felt that type of reverence, fear, Mm. where in revelations, people were so scared. They went into the mountains hoping that the mountains would just crush them Mm. because they couldn't get away. And it's not a fear like, oh, my God, don't hurt me. Please don't. It's a fear like, oh. Yeah. Oh my God, you're so powerful. That's right. Right. And when I started understanding that, look, we sin daily. There's the unknown sin and there's the known sin. Right. It's daily. But there's a difference between being in sin and being a sinner. Right. Mm -hmm. A sinner doesn't know Jesus. This is what they do. Right. But being in sin, you know Jesus and you're doing what you know you should not be doing. Yeah. Don't expect to have the power of the spirit of God and the favor of God and your call coming out of what you were supposed to be doing because you were born. If you decide to compromise and walk in this deliberate disobedience, it's not going to happen. That's That's why things are floating in the air. And there are so many things that, that should have been imparted into the the body of Christ. But we don't, we don't want to do what it takes to walk in disobedience. And once that happened, yeah, for me and Ruth, well, Ruth, you know, she's she's not a rebel. I'm a rebel. She, yeah. She's always yeah. following the rules, yeah. right? Yeah. But once that happened to me, things just started just yeah. exploding, Yeah. you know? No, that's right. And, and, and the thing of it is, is, you know, sin is missing the mark. Yes, that's sir. the big idea. See, a lot, of, a lot of what we feel bad about is uh, symptoms of sin. 
you know, oh, we, or we have a temper, we, you know, we lust, we, all these things. These are all symptoms. See, the thing that bothers God about sin is not that, because those things, the devil uses that to shame us. Yes. And that's where he gets his uh, equity and leverage from. And waste our time by just accusing us of that. What hurts God is we're off course. Yeah. Those are symptoms. When you find yourself struggling with pornography, or you find your, what it means is, you know, don't focus on the sin. Christians are often, it's like when a, if a dog bites your leg, don't beat up your leg. <laughs> Kick the dog. Yeah, that's so, good. so when you're doing things that are wrong, say, look, I'm the righteousness of God. Jesus is looking down at me as if I'm perfect. Now, that's not... That's, this is not who I am. I am not that. Paul even said, he even went as far as to say, it's not me that does it. It's sin. Yeah. I like that because separate yourself. Get your identity from who you are in God. Yes, and see, what will happen is, I have a message I call, we're off track now, but it's okay. No, it's all right, so, go. I have a message called, um, perfect makes practice. Okay, so, yeah, you're looking at me like, what? <laughs> well, you see, in the natural realm, if you practice trying to be righteous, you might get there, but not really. Yeah. You can just keep on, but you mess up in one thing. Now you got to start all over. But God says it this way. See yourself the way I do. Perfect. Now, from that position, let your practice start matching it. That's so good. See, so when I, when I say so something that's wrong, I, that's not who I am. Yeah. I'm a child of God. Don't talk like that. Turn that channel. Yeah. Come on. Why did you walk out on your wife and say that? That's not who you are. That's the way that this transformation. But you're exactly right. I'm going to go back, and then if we want, we can kind of go through yeah. these seven yeah. principles. But I think it's important you said something very crucial. Success is more about a responsibility than it is a reward. And that may be the first thing people need to know. That the ideal of a car and a house and cash in your pockets and a few rings and a ability to go on a cruise with your family and to do nice things, those things, uh, they're, they're okay. They're great rewards. But with it comes great responsibility. As I walked into the, your corporate offices today, I saw people walking around. These people, they've got a mortgage. These people have kids. Yes, sir. These kids got car payments. Yes, These people sir. have... The, and so... Every decision you make affects them. Affects them. Yeah. And so, yeah, you better have a nice car. You better have a life. I can tell you this. Like, if a surgeon's going to go to operating on me, I don't want them to have dirty fingernails <laughs> from working on that car that broke down on the way to the surgery. You better, you better have lived a good life, <laughs> yes, slept in a nice bed, yep. maybe swam in your pool, got in a whirlpool. You better be relaxed. I don't want you messing with me. <laughs> yes, sir. And so that's part of the principle. People need to be able to honor those that, have, that are taking responsibility and taking the risk that it took for you to have this building to, to dream these dreams, all right? That's important because the bigger underlining, and it's the same thing with kingdom. God wants to give us wealth and power and influence. But like you said, at the same time, to damage us would not be a good father. But all of this is that we may have influence, that we can expand the kingdom. Yeah. So, you know, the cars and all this, that only takes a little bit of our life. At the end of the day, we want to see the kingdom of God expand. So I wanted to go through seven principles, characteristics that Joseph had. Okay, let's do All right? this. So the first thing the Bible says that he had favor. Pharaoh said, 
Is there anybody of whom the Spirit of God has such favor upon? So the first characteristic is favor. And, and, and every one of our, our listeners need to say, God, I want favor. I want, I want favor over favors. Yes. And favor is that supernatural ability to see that what you do has the mark of God's breath on it, that it has its goodness. And let me tell you where favor starts. It's a very simple way to start. How do you find favor? This is crucial. Recognize favor in other people and honor it. That's good. That's step number one. That's good. You see, when you see people that are wealthy, when you see people that have influence, maybe they don't even know it came from God. Maybe they're not handling it right. But get your eyes open and observe favor. That's My good. brother-in-law one time was in a restaurant and one of the wealthiest people in the, in the world was in the restaurant with his wife. And my brother-in-law told the manager, I want to buy his meal. And the manager said, no, we don't, no one bothers him. He said, no, I want to buy his meal. He said, no, he doesn't want to be bothered. He said, I'm going to buy his meal. All I want is to give him this note. And he wrote a note to this man. And I could, everyone know the name. He would, and he said, Thank you for taking the risk to start this company. You've changed this whole Northwest uh, community, uh, a part of the country. You've brought so many dreams true for so many people. I wanted to honor you. Thank you. Wow, that is so good. Now, you would say, did that man need it? Oh, he's got so much money, he could live 100 lifetimes. But my brother-in-law, Kevin, he needed to show that he recognized and knew knew to honor. So the first thing you do is be honorable. Be honorable to people that have favor on them. If you can recognize favor in others, then you'll be able to respond to favor when it comes to you. Mm. Everywhere Joseph went, he was honorable and he gave favor. He honored favor and thus he became one who was favored. The other thing that he had was fortitude. He had mental strength. This goes back to what you were saying is success is a challenge. And the more success you have, the more mental fortitude, the ability to stick to your ideas, the ability to be obedient. This is very important. Fortitude gives you the ability to see through things Mm. and to see things through. This is a very important characteristic. Here's another one, financial savvy. Probably a lot of Christians have no financial savvy. They do not. They, we, they, we, 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 buy, we spend money on things we don't need uh, with money we don't have to impress people that we don't even like. <laughs> That's so true. You know, and, and part of it is that it's very important. Money is very, very powerful. And people that say, oh, I don't want money, I don't like money, that's irresponsible. And so financial savvy, and we'll go through these quicker. This is a real powerful one. Number four, you must be a forgiver if you're going to walk into this new Joseph mantle. Because as you make the decisions, as you expand, people are easily offended. People, um, uh, there's a lot of hurting people that hurt people. And if you're not good at being a forgiver, you're going to get stuck. You know, I, I, I want to jump in here really quick. Please. You, know, you know, there was an event. Ruth is traveling now, right now. She went to Cancun, Tulum, to a wedding. Um, and she needed to get away, right? Because her healing comes when she has fun. Yeah, right? yeah. 
And at every level, there's another devil. What we're realizing is as we increase in stature, yeah. we are encountering things that we like, what the heck yeah, is yeah. this? Yeah. She's got bodyguards. I got my guard dog. But she had a really good friend that she really loved. Mm. And she spoke truth. And that person wasn't ready for the truth. Mm. And the attack came. Yeah. And the heart broke. Yeah. And that's why she's out getting mended. Yeah. And what I realize is I look at her. I love her so much. And she's such a special lady that she was easily able to just go, I forgive him. Yeah. 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 You got to be deliberate. Like I pray the Lord's prayer every day and it gets to that part where I say, you know, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. You, you have to, you have to pre load that forgiver in you in advance. You can't decide to forgive somebody once you get hurt. You have to live a lifestyle Mm -hmm. that says it's going to happen. I'm going to misunderstand. I'm going to be misunderstood. And especially the Bible says, don't desire many, don't desire to be a master or don't be desire to be an influencer because they offend. So, you know, as a pastor, the hardest thing for me was if I preach truth, I was going to offend some people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know what's worse than being offended is realizing that you were the one that did the offending. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, that hurts. Yeah, that does People hurt. think, oh, no, it doesn't. Oh, no, it, it does. does hurt. When, it hit, when it hits you. At the end of my pastoral 30 years, it took me two or three years to recognize that I had a lot of pain in me. Wow. I had a lot of resentment in me. You know, if you listen carefully, I tell preachers and speakers now, when you speak, it leaks. When you open your mouth, your heart opens. Mm. And if you listen carefully, you can hear pain. Mm. And, and if you don't deal with that pain, it begins to taint your effectiveness. And towards the end of my 30 years as pastoring, I felt my material was better than it had ever been. But my heart had been bruised. Mm-hmm. Years of years of helping people. Yeah. And people, you know, people you love the most seem, you know, to get offended. And, and, then, and if you don't know how to detox from being uh, both the one that offended and being offended, then you're going to be stuck. You're, you're done. Yeah. And so you have to be a deliberate forgiver. And Joseph had a son, and the meaning of his son, uh, Manasseh, was causing you to forget. And, and so we need a supernatural ability to be able to say, and, and, and I tell people this sometimes. I say, it's not always humanly possible to forgive. Jesus showed us that one time on the cross as he was looking at people that he had healed, that he had raised from the dead, and now they're mocking him. His humanity could not do it. His humanity could not, his psychological ability to forgive them, he wasn't capable of. What did he do? He said, Father, forgive them. Yeah, that's Sometimes good. forgiveness comes through us, not from us. That's so good. And here's another very important thing about forgiving. Some people say, you got to forgive and forget. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. Yeah, it's good to forgive and forget. 
with your wife, with your children, with your spouse. But the Bible also says, mark those who cause division. Mm. Make sure that after the second and third admonition, if they don't hear you, separate yourself from them. Mm. So what we that have to learn so, in so business good. is we have to say, all right, I loaned you $100,000. We made a deal. You broke that deal. I forgive you. But when they come back for another $100,000, you me say, you know what? I've marked you. And until you can rebuild that trust, my heart's free. Yeah. I hold nothing against you. And this is where Christians, they, they sabotage their own heart by not rightly dividing and marking and managing people that they're casting their pearls before. Yeah. And they don't know how to value those That's pearls. So and good. Jesus said, don't do it. Yeah. So So it's important to say that because there are some people that say, I forgive. Look, if you're in an abusive relationship and you're being physically abused or if your spouse is is sexually uh, uh, doing things uh, multiple times with other people and you're saying forgive for you, no, no, no. You got to make a line of separation. You're going to let them taint your heart. You got to maintain forgiveness. What do you think? Is this good? Oh, is this helping going. your viewers? Oh, absolutely. And then I'll just go through the last three really quick because the last one I, I have for you, it's okay. a word for you. And that is uh, Joseph was fruitful. He, he bore fruit. And this is so important. Uh, people that are locked into a job that they're just basically getting a salary, uh, sometimes they don't hold themselves accountable to are they bearing fruit. Basically, they're doing the same thing over and over. But Jesus demands fruit. He, he says you need to be fruitful. And, and so in all of our lives, we need to say, what are we doing that's multiplying? What are we doing that's bearing fruit? Now, I like to say this, and you'll probably remember this. I said this when we pastored. Uh, when you're not bearing fruit, Jesus says, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prune you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut back these dead branches. You're spending way too much time scrolling. You're spending way too much time. You're collecting a paycheck. And here's the thing about maturity. Maturity is producing more than you consume. If you produce more for your company then you're taking. You'll never lack for opportunity. Amen. That's bearing fruit. And then he says, oh, so you are bearing fruit. Ah, I want more <laughs> fruit. More and pruning. So, yeah, so I say this. You're pruned if you do. And pruned, pruned if you, if you don't. You don't. <laughs> so don't be afraid of being pruned. Yeah. It's all about being fruitful. Number six about Joseph, he was faithful. He did the right things for the right reasons over and over even when it wasn't fair. Be faithful. You know, it's one thing to have faith, but it's another thing to be faithful. And I've learned, it's my motto in life, gradually, then suddenly, from nowhere to now here. Do the right things, do things right, and when you don't know what to do, do the next right thing. And one day, you will wake up in the palace. One day, you'll be in the room, at the table, and you say, how did I get there? And the last thing, and then I wanna, I'm just prophesying this over you, Ed, because I really feel this. He had a father's heart. A father's heart is, is a unique gifting. There's a lot of successful people, and a lot of them like to brag about what they're doing, and a lot of them even like to try to help others do what they're doing. But the key is to have a true father's heart. So there's a difference between a father and a leader. I even tell pastors, there's a difference between uh, uh, a leader, a pastor, and a father. Because a father has this heart to see his, those that he's fathering to do better than them. 
this is an anointing that we need now because there are a lot of sons and daughters that are just strained. They are lost. And there needs to raise up people that says, I can nurture you. I can father you. See, I'm going to tell you, I know we're, 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 we have a lot of people watching us, but I'm going to tell you, you're calling to have a pastor's heart. You're calling to minister to people has not gone away. In fact, you're just now stepping in to the greatest platform. You would have limited yourself. You're about, you're stepping into a platform that is beyond. Let me tell you a quick story about how dreams never die, right? When I was 14 years old, I dreamed of being a radio disc jockey. Okay. Now, <laughs> your views don't disc jockeys. Back in my day, they were the kingmakers. Okay. I mean, if you played the Beatles on your radio show, you could make them a star. All right. So growing up, I, I wanted to be a, a disc jockey. I came home every day from school, had a reel-to-reel tape deck, dropped a mic from the ceiling, <laughs> had two record players. So cool. I spin them, the, and I did the Mike Phillips show every day. My name is Philip Michael Muncie. I was Mike Phillips, and I would play radio every day. I'd take clippings from the newspaper and did the news. I made up my commercials. I wanted to be a disc jockey, right? When I was a sophomore in high school, I got accepted at a public broadcasting uh, television network and radio for credit, for three credits. And, and, I, and, and I could have gone and learned how to be a broadcaster and got credit for it. My dad started a Christian school that disqualified me from being able to be accepted. Ugh. And I was so mad at my dad <laughs> and, my, and God. I was like, I got accepted. 300 applied. Only, they only accepted 13. I was one of them, and then I couldn't do it. I was so mad. I thought, boy, that's just like God. He doesn't want me to be happy. He doesn't want me to blah, blah, blah. You know, but I got over it. And then by 17, I dedicated my life to Christ. At 21, I got married, called into the ministry. I've been serving God, pastoring for 50 years, right? I'm just loving God. But a few years ago, we were doing a night of hope with Joel Osteen. We did 212 of them, stadiums all over the country. I've watched personally over 2 million people get saved wow. with my own eyes. Wow. More than Billy Graham ever saw wow. in person. Wow. We've seen in this movement of hope. And Joel has a radio station that they gave to him, Sirius XM Radio, gave him the whole 24-7, his own channel. We, we don't pay for it. In fact, they pay us. Praise God. And so, we're, and so I'm interviewing some of the great celebrities that are at the event. I got headphones on, just like we're in here, right here, right? And as I put my headphones down, I hear God say, there. And immediately, like, whoa. And, it, it, I, and then it, I, I caught it just in a twinkling of an eye. I caught it. God was saying, you wanted to be on the radio? You're on the biggest radio that station. Is so you could, cool. And it was 43 years later. Wow. And I'm like, and, and I said, oh, God, no, it was just a pipe dream. God said, no, it was a desire of your heart. Wow. I gave you that desire. And I knew that's really not what you wanted to do then. And now disc jockeys, you know, they're, they now have AI that does them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he, he said, I knew it's what you wanted, and I gave it to you 43 years later. Well, that's the thing about Joseph. God gave him everything. He dreamed as a little boy, you know, 12 years old. Hey, kids, hey, I had a dream. And he went through all of this process, and then God gave it to him. So what I want to tell you is you— you, you are about to step into another room and your voice 
is going to be heard in rooms that you could have never imagined. And you're going to be preaching and evangelizing in a way and a style that if anybody was examined, they'd say, that don't sound like a sermon. That but you're going to be stepping into the room and people are going to find you in the corner of that room and say, Ed, tell me about Jesus. Tell me about what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to touch more people in one year than you could have done in 30 years in a typical ministry lane. That's going to happen to you. And that father's heart is going to get you in that room and you're going to see God do great things. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Very honored that I'm in this room in this moment, watching what God has done is doing and the best is yet to come. That is so, thank you so much, Pastor. I, I always think about you and Jeannie. You guys are just amazing people to us. We love you guys so much. You guys have, <clears throat> you guys have, you know, you guys have done so much for us. And to this day, you still send me texts. I read them and you encourage me and you, you're my cheerleader. You, you want me to do well. And, you know, you're a rare guy, man. Mm. There's not a lot of you out there, you and Jeannie, like that. You truly want people to be blessed. You truly want people to succeed. You truly want to see mm. the kingdom of God being advanced in this world. And I'm just honored to have you in my life. Mm. I just want to say thank you for all the seeds. All I have journals of your sermons mm. in my twenty, I, I have a, 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 a podcast where I brought all my journals and in those journals, you're in them mm. of times mm. when you would preach, when we would be crying and we would mm. be going through so much. And I remember, and I remember, and I remember all the things that you used to do. And you are a pillar mm. that allowed us to get to where we are. And I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for loving my family the way you do. We love you. We wish you the best that you would can stay young, right? Because you still look young. Stay yeah. young. Stay on fire. Yeah. And thank you, Pastor, for being just the best part of my life. Well, I just and I want to say to the viewers that you know, I can promise you that if you continue, be a part of this podcast. Make it a part of your routine, because what's on this man. Is gonna, it's going to trickle down from what he has on him. It's going to trickle down into you. And more things are caught than taught. And you'll be surprised how when even he's talking to, like I saw your show uh, that's going to, it's being broadcast about the dog and all that. And I thought, you know, when you get around people like you that have favor, you can learn anything because <laughs> you catch things. It's like, I don't know about a dog, but you, the way you respond, the way you say things. So I just want to encourage to really make this a part because Ed's got favor on him, on his family. And the more that you're around that, that favor is going to begin to flow through you. And we need to walk in favor because let me tell you, Ed, we're going to see things that's going to get real intense this year, but I promise you I've seen the future, and it is bright, and the kingdom of God is going to expand, and uh, it's going to be a great time. But thank you so much. Uh, we love you very, very much. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much for being on the show. So there you have it. Man of God, it's been in my life for a very long time. I want to thank you for watching the show, and again, I always got to say... You are the best part of the Ed Fernandez Show. Have a great weekend.